seconds to disappear And if you don't get out of here You are listening to Self-Help for Serial Killers, Let Your Creativity Bloom, written by Mari R.R. Campbell-Jack. Longlisted for the Crime Writers Association debut Dagger and a finalist in the Amazon Publishing New Voices Award. Week one, finding your identity. Your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside? Awakes. Carl Jung. I remember standing in the dock behind the perspex screen in the High Court in Edinburgh. I was disappointed I was being tried in one of the newer courts, fitted out with blonde, polished wood, lacking the gravitas and the dignity of the older courts, which had been used for hundreds of years, whose very atmosphere was stained with history, pain, terror and despair. In the gallery were the family and friends of all my victims. The courtroom was packed with expert witnesses, police, lawyers, members of the public who trundled in and out of the witness box, giving evidence over many days and weeks. For some, standing in front of all those people and knowing the attention of the world's press was on them might make them feel exposed or unsafe. Me? I knew that that was exactly where I was meant to be because I know exactly who and what I am. I hadn't just created a sense of bemusement with my primary work when people read a headline in the paper and then turn a page forgetting it. My most important relationship had been forged, that with my nemesis, DCI Halliday Campbell. She was there with me in court, watching everything I did listening to everything I said, and all the time uncharacteristically coy, trying to appear like she was ignoring me. She displayed her meticulous, calculated indifference so widely. But I know I have impact. I am important. While you will admire who I am now, you won't realise that I was not always that person. When I was young, I was exactly the opposite. I was brought up in Rossmoor, a small village near the Black Isle in the Highlands of Scotland. It was not a well-known place then. More the type of place that when you tell people you come from there, they give you a blank look and say, I've never heard of it. Rossmore was dull. More than dull. Not dull in the way all teenagers find their surroundings dull, but dull in a nothing-has-changed-for-a-hundred-years way. It was filled with old men and people who didn't have the get-up-and-go. It had a shop, a bank, 
open only on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, a post office open only in the mornings, a fish van that parked on what was laughingly called the High Street on Mondays, and a library van that parked outside the post office on the first Thursday of every month. It had once been a thriving community with a baker's and a dairy and a curling pool that was used by the whole village every winter. Come the opening of the supermarkets in Inverness and everyone began to be able to afford a television, the heart of this little community shriveled up. It was just existing as a shadow of its former self. This is what progress does. Into that desiccated husk of a community entered I, its most famous son. My mother and father had moved there when I was born. My father left when I was three. My mother, who refused to drive and who would stop me from learning, lived her whole life in Rossmore, using the stubbornly infrequent and inconveniently timed public transport to go to Inverness once a month. She had no friends, only acquaintances, and discouraged me from having any of my own, mainly by complaining loudly about anyone I brought home from school, criticising everything about them within their earshot. I grew up a lonely, meek child, scared of my own mother. No one could have guessed how powerful I would become. I let my mother control and construct my identity for me. I was so afraid of her that I didn't dare even dream that I could be somebody other than who she told me. More than just being her dutiful, doting, well-behaved son, whose purpose in life is to make her proud. It was finding my own identity and breaking free of those negative emotions that was the first step on the path to where I am today. I am going to tell you about the first steps I took on that path and help you understand where you are on your own journey. I remember a time when I was young. I had made something for my mother. It was a mess of paint, the way small children's work often is. All merging into one puddle of brown in the centre of the paper that would not dry. I had made it just for her and presented it proudly as she came to pick me up from nursery, hoping that she would be pleased with me. She was standing beside one of the other mothers, and as I wandered up to her, my painting proudly outstretched towards her, the other mother said, Oh, how lovely, you've made a painting for your mum. My mother's face darkened. Ah, oh, look at that, she said, turning to the mum who had spoken. I really don't know where to put all the crap he keeps on making. It's such a mess and dripping paint everywhere. I looked down at my brown leather shoes with the buckles and could see drops of brown paint on them with the lighter blue swirling within the brown. My mother bent down and plucked a large ball of hanky from her sleeve and wiped the paint off, leaving smudges of brown and blue poster paint blending into the scuffed second-hand leather. She then turned her head further towards the other woman and whispered audibly, I generally just throw it away and hope he doesn't notice. She threw her head back and laughed, not noticing that the other woman was looking at her with a puzzled expression. 
that my friend is crushing talent. Judging early artistic efforts is abuse. It is impossible to be perfect when you are a child, but perfection is what my mother demanded from me. Her judgment meant that in much of my life, I became afraid. Afraid of straying off the path she found acceptable. Afraid that if I did anything wrong, others would tell her. Afraid of the punishment she dealt out to me behind closed doors. Fear is the enemy of creativity, and boy did that bitch instill fear. So how did I get rid of fear so I could find my true identity? It is a long process and most people won't be able to do it on their own. After all, that is why you've come to me for help. It is a process of chipping away at your negative core beliefs. Those that have been forced upon you by family, friends or society. And then there is the process of affirming yourself. So what is a negative core belief? Core belief is something you believe in your heart of hearts. People are not always aware of what these beliefs are. For instance, Paul may tell you repeatedly that he wants to stop smoking and drinking alcohol, but despite going cold turkey with both and trying gradual methods of withdrawal, he is unable to stick to his plan. He knows that both drinking and smoking are damaging his health, and he has read all about it and does not need any more well-intentioned advice. The problem is that, although Paul has the desire to stop, secretly he has within him a deep, hidden, core belief that means he continually sabotages his own efforts. For Paul, that belief could be that he does not deserve good health or happiness. Or it could be a secret wish to die. As long as he carries that belief around with him, he will never succeed in stopping drinking or smoking and will always struggle and always fail. So what's the best way of getting rid of negative core beliefs? First, we need to uncover them. I'm going to read to you some statements and you work out which ones you feel may apply to you. I won't be a successful, prolific, creative artist because I won't have the courage to take the first steps. Things will go wrong for me. They always do. Everybody will be able to guess what I've done before the time is right. I will be shunned by everyone I know. It will interfere with my normal life. I may get injured. I may die. My ideas and impulses aren't good enough. It's too late in life to start something new. How many did you count? As a rough rule of thumb, the fewer you circle, the further you are along your journey to becoming a true artist like me. If you circled them all, then you really are at the beginning of your journey and you have a lot of work to do to bring out the creative, confident and successful artist you deserve to be. I call this group of people shadow artists. Shadow artists are too scared to do anything but fantasise about what they want to become. By the end of the book, I promise, I will have helped you emerge from these shadows. Your first step to becoming a true artist rather than a shadow artist is to turn those negative core beliefs into positive core beliefs. If you go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction, you will be able to find a worksheet on negative core beliefs and you can use this to work through 
what you really believe. Although on it I have listed some of the most common negative beliefs, you don't have to stick with these. Instead, find a quiet place, close your eyes and take several deep breaths, then focus on your natural breathing pattern. Once you have focused for five minutes or so, ask yourself the question, what is blocking my creativity? And then sit and see what answers arise within you. Write these down and find ways to turn each statement into affirmation. For instance, I don't have the courage to take the first steps can be turned into, I can find the courage to take the first steps. I have more courage than I know. I will be shunned by everyone I know can be turned into, I don't need other people. Everybody can be replaced. Changing negative core beliefs is not easy. Many of them have been living within us from our early childhood and therefore lodged fast within our psyche. It would be foolish to expect to dislodge them easily. If you are willing to try and dislodge these beliefs, you will need to start by repeating positive affirmations to yourself first thing in the morning when you wake up and last thing at night before you go to sleep. At first you may feel a little foolish and as though nothing is changing. Give it time though and you will notice subtle shifts within yourself from doubting these affirmations to feeling no resistance to them. I want you to use your affirmations morning and night, no matter what other exercises or visualizations you are doing. These are the foundations of your transformation and must be repeated on a daily basis to keep you strong and make sure nothing negative affects your emerging true self, which we will examine further in week two. to disappear You have been listening to Self-Help for Serial Killers Let Your Creativity Bloom all done by myself, Mari Campbell-Jack apart from the theme tune which is from Josh Woodward I want to destroy something beautiful thank you Josh for allowing me to use your music if you want to find out more we are on patreon.com slash truecrimefiction and also the True Crime Fiction podcast there's lots of bonus episodes and goodies on Patreon but if you're not able to support the pod that way please do rate and review in the podcast app of your choice and if you use it app and you can't do that please just tell everybody that this is really awesome